0: for our first um, our first guest or our first interview is a friend of mine, Gary Tollefson, who I'm super happy to be bringing with you um, before he heads off to the island for the winter and to share a little bit of his experiences and his perspectives. And so, um, first of all, Gary, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. And it's weird that I'm saying welcome while I'm at your house, but I'm um, <laughs> welcome. So I hope you like what I've done with the place. Um, a <laughs> couple of things I uh, want to kind of start with is, first of all, I want to explain to everyone how i got to know about you and then a little bit about getting to know you and then from there we'll we'll have some conversations so early 2000s i'm a 20 something year old going to faith and the first time i ever really uh got to hear you was when um our senior pastor at the time warren arndt brought you up you just finished one of your tours in afghanistan and you were explaining about um, I believe just something about what it means to be, be bringing freedom to people and, and, and having that fight and us as a congregation we're praying for you and as the um, other service members in our congregation and um, one of the things I remember Warren saying that was interesting is you're a kid who grew up in Anchorage, Alaska and I thought well that's really far away and now you're here in Michigan and so once i got to know you as a person i asked you about that and you explained to me that you grew up as an air force brat so what were some of the places that you lived growing
1: up i was born in alaska uh... then we moved to nebraska as daddy was a pilot and then we moved to tennessee uh... then we moved to fort bragg north carolina and then we moved to upstate new york and that's (laughs) where he retired uh... from the air force and then he decided that he wanted to go back to his home state, which is uh, Minnesota.
0: Okay, so you moved six times, seven times by the time you were 18?
1: I didn't keep count, but uh, we moved a lot. There was, <laughs> there was a new baby born at each spot.
0: <laughs> How's that? Okay. And um, so when you and I were talking a little bit about um, your moving around last year, you explained to me that when you were in the Boy Scouts, instead of having a typical troop leader, you had special forces operators as your scout masters? That's correct.
1: When we were in uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, dad was stationed at the Air Force Base called Pope Air Force Base, and when he was overseas in Vietnam, I was in the Boy Scouts, myself and my other two brothers, and we did, we had special forces teams, A-teams, uh, that were our uh, scout leaders. So it wasn't just the team. They actually, because of their deployment and their up-tempo going back and forth to Vietnam, we had the entire company as our uh, scout leaders. It was an amazing time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine the different um, what you learned like for ropes tying and different things like that. It had to be really much more hands-on and great experience for you. Oh, yeah. Did you, um, how many years did you end up serving in the military?
1: I served 32 years. Uh, I sent uh, 12 the first 12 years were active so that would be uh, the normal uh, iteration that you'd have during enlistment Uh, and then situation happened where uh, my wife and I were having a tough go of it and um, I made the decision to leave the military uh, because I was married to my wife and not necessarily married to the military uh, at that time Uh, so I had reserve time and then when 9-11 happened um, I was called up again and had three tours in a- Afghanistan.
0: And you are Special Forces Green Beret. Yes. What did you retire as, what was your rank?
1: Uh, E-8, Master Sergeant. So in the E grades, you go from E-1 to E-9, I was an E-8. What ended up happening, though, is uh, <laughs> the command wanted me to go to uh, Command Sergeant Major School to become an E-9, and okay. I turned it down three times. Because if, you, if I was to accept the E-9 position as Command Sergeant Major, I would have to leave the team and go work in the somewhere else in the regiment.
0: So you would potentially have to stop doing the thing that you love doing. Amen. Yep.
1: With the guys I love doing it with. The team. The team. It's all about the team.
0: <laughs> and that was part of the, the pressure on the marriage, right? It's all about the team. It was
1: all about the team. And I forgot that Tammy was part of the team. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so... What we were talking about for tonight was, you know, you have 32 years of military experience. Um, you started your own company, and um, like especially in the military, one of the things you learn how to do is you learn how to fight, you learn how to fight wars, you learn how to fight battles. And you wanted to talk with us about just the battles that uh, a lot of men will end up finding themselves in. And so what are some of the things that you would like for men to hear about being in um, battles, not on the, the war field, not in war, but you know, in our lives.
1: Yeah, I understand. What what I learned about every time we would de- be deployed. So before we would go off to uh, uh, to to do operations, we would have to go into the uh, company, and we would go through our uh, our our basic documents to make sure everything was in place. Everything was the beneficiaries were correct on our life insurance. Our we had a will put in place. And so what I learned from the military and carried on to the civilian world is to make sure that I had proper estate planning documents in place and then review them periodically to make sure that they'd be up to date. Second thing that we did was we, uh, my wife Tammy, uh, made me write out a financial plan of life. And what that meant was she wanted to know if I were to die, uh, what was she supposed to do? Who was she supposed to work with in the financial area uh, to carry her on through uh, uh, the rest of her life. And so what I did was I I broke it down into different phases, you know, every five years uh, for for the rest of her life, uh, what I anticipated that she would be able to do, just to give her a guide. And another thing that we learned, too, was to have Bible verses and songs prepared in the event that uh, I was supposed to die first, in the event Mm -hmm. that I was to die. I I learned that when my mom passed away, because when my mother passed away, we didn't know what her favorite songs were. We didn't know what her favorite Bible hmm. verses were. And it really put a, an extra stress on us that it, we really didn't need at the time. So what Tammy and I did was uh, the, both of us together uh, would write down our different songs and uh, Bible verses. And of course, that was changing as we uh, uh, grew in our maturity with Christ too.
0: So I've obviously heard the idea of you know putting together a trust, putting together you know your, your financial stuff but no one's ever really said, have you talked about your favorite Bible verses? What would you want said or read on that day or saying? And that's, um, for people who have a faith, um, a faith life that includes worship and scripture reading, that's hugely important to make sure those things get expressed. And I gotta imagine when you were able to have those verses read at Tammy's funeral or those on saying. Wow, I'm just telling you, wow, it was perfect. Yeah. Thanks. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad I heard that. (laughs) Um, One of the things, when you left the active military, you and Tammy decided to start your own company with Thrivent and start your own office and do that. But what was interesting is, is you two built that company together, Yes. which required, I remember a couple of times, if I called the office. Cammy was answering the phone, and if I had a question about something that we were doing with a, thri- a thriving grant at the church or whatever, and then um, she would be the one who would try to answer the question, and if not, you and her would talk and she would get back to me. And so you guys not only live together because you're married, but you work together every day. Yes. And That's, that's a lot of proximity. And for um, a lot of people, especially since March, I know my wife and I, uh, this is the longest I've gone without traveling anywhere. I've, I've not gotten on a plane. I've not gone on a mission trip. I've not done anything like that. And we're together a lot. And, um, and that's going okay. If you ask her, she might have a different opinion, but she's not here. Um, so that's <laughs> for the best, but, um, for couples who are, who are finding themselves, spending some time together and experiencing that stress, which, you know, some people are going to be like, you know, this isn't what I thought it would be, you know, th- they're feeling that pressure, what would you explain to him as someone who worked with your spouse every day what are some things you learned about that's a great how much question
1: sure What well, we learned uh, because I worked and I was self-employed I made my own hours and I worked why because I work and that's what I did and it was one day that uh, Tammy uh, uh, confronted me and said you know we've not had a date night we've not had sex for a while uh, we have a problem and I said I said I don't have a problem I said I'm ready right now let's let's just let's just do this right and it was like no (laughs) (laughs) and so what she did was and I I said to her I says honey if if it's not on my if it's not on my calendar it's not going to happen so she grabbed my calendar and she fixed that and (laughs) she wrote down date night date night date night and it was one of the best things that I was able to uh, accommodate to her and she was able to accommodate to me because that was a focus that I could say, I'm gonna be a participant in that. I, I wanted to be anyway, but it was like, it was very different. I learned mm-hmm. that I needed to have date nights with my wife. Another thing I learned too is, we would have a conversation and as a guy, uh, Tammy would be explaining things to me or talking to me and I'm starting to think about how I can fix this, how I can, how I can manage to, to, to fix the situation that she's talking about. Mm-hmm. And she'd look at me and she'd realize that I'm really not engaged. I'm I'm busy trying to run the wheels and trying to (laughs) to work it out. And so what she started to do, and we had in our our conversation points, was she would, at the beginning of the conversation, say, you don't need to fix this. Just listen. The pressure just went off where I didn't have to worry about it. I could just participate in the conversation and listen and not have to fix it. The third thing that I learned was, um, we were traveling back from a vacation spot, the island, and <laughs> it was an amazing time. We uh, got on the plane, and I'm in uh, my seat next to my babe, and I'd lean over at some point, and I just gave her a squeeze, I was gonna give her a kiss, and she pushed me away, and she lit into me like no tomorrow. And I had, I, I, I was thinking, what did I do? And then I found out I didn't meet her expectations. She explained to me, she goes, we didn't talk about this. We didn't do this. We we were supposed to plan for this. And I'm thinking to myself, were we on different vacations? Because I had sun, I had surf, I had sex, I had food. I mean, what else is there in life? I didn't meet her expectations. And so what I did from that point forward, every time we would travel, I would always take out a piece of paper, I'm old school, piece of paper and I'd write down, I'd ask her, what are your three top expectations for this trip? I'd write them down. And then during our trip, as I'm reviewing those notes, I'd ask her, how are we doing? Are we meeting your expectations? And it really freed me up because now all of a sudden, I'm still getting what I want, sun, sand, surf and sex, but she's getting what she wants, conversation, planning, Uh, connectivity does that make sense yeah
0: when you guys would sit there and you'd write out your expectations list okay so someone hearing this right now but like well that's not romantic you you know that that sounds a little too organized or or whatever like that that is a system that worked for you guys yes did Tammy appreciate it yes how do I know I got rewarded (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah okay So. She didn't even need to say You'd win-win. Need. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> both were happy, which rarely happens. <laughs> so, awesome. One of the things about Tammy that was interesting is that later in life, she started horseback riding, which yes. is not what you do usually later in life. You know, people grow up on horses; they they're around it all the time, and um, it's kind of an interesting story of how that came to be. So, can you fill us in on that?
1: Yes, we were uh, uh, working with Thrivent, and one of my uh, uh, good clients, good friends, uh, passed away. So we went to the funeral. And after the funeral, we're driving back from the funeral and it struck me. And so I asked Tammy, I says, is there anything that you haven't done that you really want to do and you haven't done it yet? What is that? And probably without much hesitation she said, I want to ride a horse. And so I said, I don't understand what that means. Why don't you go ahead and figure it out? And so by golly, she did and she got so involved with horseback riding and that whole different uh family life uh, came into play after 9 11 because i was deployed but she had another family that she could she could be with and it was her horse family well what i then learned uh, as she continued to ride horses is that she had a hobby horseback riding and i had a hobby golf and so what I decided I needed to do is I needed to get involved with her hobby or at least be in uh, at least try to have interest in what she was doing and so I'd go to the stable with her I'd watch her ride and she was doing hunter jumper which means she was jumping two to three foot uh, obstacles yep. and uh, kind of scared me a little bit because she's on top of a big horse and they're flying through the air etc 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 and so it was kind of neat because when she would come home after riding, uh, she'd want to have a tub. And so we'd, we, I'd fill a tub for her with bubble bath. She'd get in the tub and I'd make some wine and cheese and crackers. And I'd sit, I'd sit next to the tub, outside the tub, and she would explain her ride, what she was doing and the whole bit. So I got involved in her hobby. I even, even ended up buying a saddle. And uh, I learned Western riding which paid off in Afghanistan later on uh, during that time. So I really learned to be not just uh, freeing for her hobby, but be involved in her hobby as well. And what'd she do about golf? That's a great question. So she tried golf to play the game twice. That was not, that was not her skill set. Mm-hmm. I even got her a lesson once. And even the instructor says, you shouldn't try golf. <laughs> <laughs> However, she would ride with me in the golf cart. And so we would we would go golfing together, but I would golf and she would ride and we would have conversation. We called it shoulder to shoulder time where she'd be with me and she would, she'd encourage me and she even she gave me a couple uh, deductions off my scorecard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it was really interesting. Yeah, that golf thing, it turned out well. So she had her hobby, horseback riding, and I had mine, which was golf, but we did it together.
0: And I think what's interesting is like for a lot of people when we think about our hobbies, we think about, especially as a guy, that might be just something, that's my time. And now there's value in that for, you know, depending on what it is, like that's that's your time to unplug, you know, get away, kind of get a different perspective on things, but also not to be threatened by the idea that, oh, my spouse can participate. Like you said, you, you know, you didn't go horseback riding with her, she didn't golf with you, but you, you figured out ways to do it together. And more importantly, you know, to start to understand what was involved in that riding so that when you watch it, now you see so much more of what's going on. It's not just your wife sitting on a horse. Oh Uh, yeah, I learned how to saddle. I learned how
1: to clean the horse and groom the horse. I learned all kinds of stuff in that way. That's so great. It was really fun. And and it brought us as a husband and wife, as friends,
0: closer together Mm -hmm. because of that. That's great. Because you know we don't have children. And why did you guys, if you don't mind me asking, what was, did you decide you, couldn't have, you didn't want to have children, you couldn't have children? What made that decision?
1: When uh, we were uh, first married, uh, we were, I was stationed in Germany and she came over to Germany and I started looking at these different uh, families that had uh, army brats, brats, emphasis on brats. <laughs> and I started watching relationships that were going on and all along I had told Tammy that I didn't want to have children. I was an Air Force brat. And I was dedicated to the military and I was gone. I was gone a lot. And so I didn't want to yes. saddle her with another um, responsibility that may not bring total joy, that would needed, to be, needed to be a pair that would work it out, not just a single parent, but uh, parenting together. And so we decided uh, not to have children. I remember we asked our pastor at the time if we were committing a sin by not having children, and he, he affirmed with us that it, was, it wasn't sinful uh, mm-hmm. to do that, so I had a vasectomy.
0: Now, when you said you were gone a lot, what does that mean? Like, put numbers on that for us. Sure. Post.
1: I can do better yet. I remember one year when we were, we were having a tough go of it, and Tammy pulled out a calendar, and she goes, Gary, how many, how many days have you been here? And I think I made up a stupid number. And she pulled out the calendar. It had been two weeks out of one year. I was a good soldier. <laughs> I was not a very good husband. Wow. Yeah.
0: Fifty so, weeks of training in a 52-week yep. year. Yep, deployed,
1: gone. We were gone. The divorce rate in special operations is out of this world. I mean, it's just really, really bad. Many of the men that I know are second marriages, third marriages. Yeah, it, it it just it goes with the turf, if you will.
0: Well, and what's interesting is, okay, so if I was to go on a mission trip, once I get there, you know, I don't like leaving my kids, I don't like leaving my wife, right? But once I'm there, I'm there. And it's like we're going to build these houses, You're all in. we're going to fix these ramps. I, and I've like, been there with you. You're all in. Right, and the days are just going to go, mm-hmm. and and so I imagine for any. Any guy who is working a lot you know in that seventy you know sixty eighty hours it's like you don't even realize how much you're not around because you know we get focused on one thing that's just what I'm doing, you know, and I'm sure it had to be a shock to realize you were home fourteen days out of three hundred sixty five when you heard it it probably had to be tough to swallow
1: and I'm sure of those fourteen days I wasn't really home mentally, you know that so it's, it's, it, it, there's, there's the yeah. mental portion, there's the engagement portion that needs to be involved too. It's not just the physical of my boots are on the, on the ground here. It's like my head's gotta be in the game too.
0: So when you're in the military and you're, you're deployed and a guy's head isn't in the game, mm. how do you see that when you guys are on exercise, on deployments, like how dangerous is that?
1: Very, absolutely. So early on, we didn't have satellite phones. Uh, when we were deployed, we were, we were gone. And what I found the difference being is when we were in Afghanistan, I had a satellite phone and the command said, you can't use this for personal use. And I said, what are you gonna do? Send me to Afghanistan? I'm already here, dude. <laughs> so what we did was we would have once a week, every guy on the team would call back to their family for 10 minutes. What a difference that would make predominantly was a very, very positive. There were times when an argument would ensue because of uh, things going on back in the States and we'd have to kind of work through that. But I would say the majority of the time, in my case especially, it was so positive. We didn't talk about the weather. We didn't talk about things we couldn't fix. You know, We talked about things that were real to us at the time.
0: So how much harder is it? Professional athletes, soldiers, those careers all have like time limits on a professional athlete might be 10 years so you're gonna invest everything because you know 10 years i'm in and out a a soldier 20 25 years i'm gonna then i'm out right so you kind of have this view whereas when you're living your life when you're in a marriage the timetable is so much longer amen and so this idea is like you can't sprint through this this is a marathon right you're going to be in this for a long period of time i'm thinking about as a guy how important it is to get your head in the game in your marriage. Amen. And so what was it like for you when you got your, your head in the game with Tammy, and what was it like when you weren't, and how did you know?
1: Yeah, there was, there was kind of two different uh, bookends. I had the military head in the game, if you will, and I had my marriage head in the game, and they weren't coinciding because I, I had too much invested in the military and not enough invested in Tammy. There was an old sergeant major that uh, I was wrestling with this idea. Do I stay in the military? What do I do? You know what he said to me? Hmm. He said, when you're on your deathbed and someone's got to wipe your nose and wipe your butt, it's not the army that's going to be there. Hmm. It's going to be your wife. He says, do the right thing. You married her. And, you know, that resonated with me because here's this Vietnam veteran, well-decorated man that I really respected, who is basically, in, in, my, in my world, giving me the out. And the, and the men who knew me, the team, that I, the teams I worked with, the, the men who really knew me, there was no question that I was way better off with Tammy than I was with the military. And that was, the, that was what really meant a lot to me, is, is that I didn't burn a bridge But I saved a marriage Hmm. because we were married for almost 35 years. I knew her for 40. We were married for almost 35 years. Praise God.
0: When you had to make the decision to move from active, and let's be honest, it's sexy, right? You know, 12 years of deployment with teams doing (laughs) just great Great stuff. stuff. (laughs) Come on, give it up. (laughs) Right. And you finally, and you make the decision that you are going to, you're going to, Prioritize your marriage. Was there resentment when you made that decision from whom from you when you left the team?
1: No No, you know, I I have very few look back Regrets of that and here's the best part when 9-11 hit and my handler Contacted me right here at in my office. I got a call. I think it was three days after 9-11 my handler uh, from special ops said Uh, get ready to pack up your stuff orders are coming tammy released me so you know what it came back in the positive she was releasing releasing me to be back in that game that was pretty amazing
0: so this past august you told me that this is uh five years of um of when tammy passed away yes some people who are watching this i hope a, um, if there's someone who's lost a loved one, they're they're watching this, and hopefully it'll be you know, helpful or beneficial to them. But almost all of us have someone in our life who has lost a loved one, and so you're sitting in this first chair perspective as the person who had to bury your wife. And as you said, the plan was you were going to die first, correct? Right. Either in military or in health or whatever. This was that was the plan. Well, statistically, that is the plan. That is right. But God had a different plan. (laughs) Yep. So you're five years into this uh, season here. What are some of the things you would like people to hear, especially if you are someone who is trying to walk along some, uh, aside someone who has lost someone?
1: The first thing that struck me uh, during this, the, the close proximity of Tammy's passing was the funeral. And it was so odd to me. Why does a funeral have to happen so quickly after the passing. I'm not I'm not sure exactly why that is, but what I what I've learned and I've walked this with many people through my practice as well as family members is you're not in a position to make good decisions at that time. And it just seems really odd that we should t- hit the pause button and just say, "Wait a second. Let's let's not do this so quickly. You know, let's let's have intentionality involved with it." The second thing that I was able to take away uh, from that time was the selection of my pallbearers and I went at it with intentionality because I wanted men that would not just be there for the day I wanted them to be there for the years afterwards I wanted men that would be able to poke me in the chest and not be afraid to ask the question how you doing and not be satisfied with, I'm fine, or I'm okay, or as people who know me, I'm near perfect. It's just really a matter of, I wanted to have the man that would do that. And so what was interesting, and as I, as I talked to each of these men about being pallbearers, and this is, I think, something you can you can have a takeaway to someone you know, or, or even in your own life, is to have that relationship to get, carry on beyond just, Uh, a one-week time frame. So what we did, what these men and I did, was we got together uh, about every month for a dinner at someone's house or a barbecue here or hang out and have a glass of wine or a beer and just hang out together. And uh, it was healing to me because these were guys that wouldn't just uh, say, hi, we'll see you later. These were men that would call me periodically because I gave them the ability to say, yeah, give me a call, check on me, and they would. Even to this day, five mm-hmm. years later, they still check up on me. What we did though was interesting was, uh, it was probably about a year and a half after the funeral um, that we were getting together periodically once a month. And I said to the men, you know, I think, I think I'm doing better now. And I don't think we have to get together once a month. So I was just trying to release them. And it was interesting because a couple of the guys says, "No, you don't understand, Gary. We're not doing this for you anymore. We're doing this for us. Hmm. We like each other. We're really enjoying our time together." And it really it, it caught me off guard because I wasn't prepared for that. And these are really good men. So my point being is, when you pick pallbearers, in fact, I think this much. I think if if uh, I were to have died first, I think Tammy would have picked female pallbearers just for that reason. She want to have. A relationship with people that were not just there for the day, but were there for the life. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. So after a year and a half, you hear from these guys is what it sounds like is they start experiencing community. Yes. And that fills their bucket. And mine. Right. It was a win-win. And that's why they don't want to stop. Right. And you know, that's a hard thing for for all of us to do is to prioritize community and what you did by asking them to get involved with your life and to to call you out but to be around you is is you you gave a platform for that to happen and I, and it, you know for me that's one of the things that i mean i appreciate the community that i have with men so much and my heart breaks because i know a lot of guys don't have an opportunity to do that and like for you it took it took a funeral to create that community right but now for a lot of men, if they can figure out a way to get around other guys, ask occasionally, You know, not obviously be in each other's faces all the time because none, none of us would like that, but to really have meaningful conversations. And then you know, who knows where that will go?
1: Well, it kind of carries over from the A-team, you know, the A-team to my pallbearer A-team. Hmm. See, so I see the connection there. I, I see it now. I, I didn't see it at the moment. I didn't realize what I was... Put it in play but
0: looking back that's that's the camaradeship uh that was developed how did you know to be that intentional with your pallbearers in that moment because that's a fog right you're in crisis you're in mourning how did you even think like that uh
1: by the grace of god i i know it sounds hokey to some people no. but i'm just saying it was by the grace of god and if i if i listed the names you know them all and yep. many know them all and you'd agree, yep, good choice, yep, good choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, But that was in my world. And in someone else's world, it may be, yep, better choice, yep, better choice You know, for whomever they select. But just be open to that.
0: I was at your funeral, and at that point, you and I didn't have any relationship. We knew of each other. We may say you know, hi in passing at church, have a few brief conversations, stand in the lobby. And I remember standing in the gym, it's kind of empty and out. And I walked up to you, and I just wanted to explain that I knew a little bit of how great Tammy was just because of my interactions with her and I just wanted to share that with you. And I think a lot of times in those moments um, people are trying to figure out what to say and I know one of the things because of your perspective and hopefully it would be helpful for, for people to hear is like people also good intentions but they say some really dumb things. So what are some things that we should avoid saying to someone? Was in mourning from your perspective?
1: Well, I'll give you an example of the stupidest thing I heard someone say to me, and then I'll give you an example of what would be uh, a common inappropriate thing that I've heard. The stupidest thing was, see in my situation, uh, Tammy's parents and some of her family members and some of my family members were not able to make uh, the funeral here in Michigan. Uh, so I had a, uh, another service in Minnesota so they could participate in. Okay. And it was after that service, uh, we went down to the church basement, an old Lutheran church, went down to the church basement. <laughs> uh, we had death goulash, uh, found out that the ladies' guild, uh, for every funeral, the ladies' guild would make goulash. And so my mother-in-law, uh, we were making the plant. It was her, it was her plants. It was her songs. It was her service. But when it came to the death goulash, Gary T says, we're not having death goulash. And so I catered that one too. So we're, we're in that, the receiving line, if you will. And this old lady, older lady, uh, came up to me and she said, you know, I've buried two husbands. Don't feel so bad. And I thought to myself, you know, that's really interesting. That's a, that's a that's a loving thing to say to somebody who is hurting really bad and so I looked at her and I said to her I says well I have buried one wife twice so maybe we're equal That was just really interesting another <laughs> thing that from a perspective of what people do say is uh, something like I know how you feel or and that's that's a common one and and I realize that but what was almost paralyzing is when people would say to me you know gary if you need anything and and i know they meant it i I know what they really meant if i need anything or if you you want to come over for a meal at any time just just give us a call or come over and Hmm. to a person like myself who's kind of a a heavy type a going through a grieving period it's like i'm not going to do that i'm paralyzed now i'm not sure how to do that and so I had a lady, one of my girlfriends, uh, and I say f- girlfriend, I mean a friend who's a girl. She got it and she figured it out and she sent me a message and said, Gary T, I've got these three dates available for a meal. We want you to come over, you pick one. I can do that. Mm-hmm. And guess what, I was at their house again on Sunday. We still do that. And that's, that's the relationship that is really d- daring to me where people would say, not just whatever you need, but they would instead take action. Whether that's, I guess, mowing a lawn, or doing handyman work around the house, or whatever that
0: may be. Does that make sense? No. It- It really does. For people when we're in crisis is you need to shorten the time horizon. Because if you're in crisis, like you said, that was a powerful word when you say you're paralyzed. And so when someone gives you a blanket, just come on over. It's like that, that doesn't even land. But if I just have to choose between these three days or not at all, I can do that. Amen. I can do that. And um, the whole idea of aim small, miss small. Right. I can come over and work on your house for three hours on next Saturday from eight to 11, is there some stuff you need me to do compared to if you need anything, give me a call. See, I mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, which is gonna land better on you, right? Mm-hmm. And for people to know, cause we always wanna know like, what do you do with someone? How, how can I help this person I care about who's going through this? It's be specific, say, this is what I can do. Love it. These are This is when I can do it. And if you don't want it, that's okay. There's no wrong answer. Right, <laughs> and now like you said, that's something I can do, mm-hmm. so. So now that you guys are you are you're five years into this, as we've talked about, what are some of the things that you've learned through this process? Yeah,
1: what I've learned is you can't run away from God. You can hide, you can try to hide, but He's always going to pursue. And not to fill the void with bad things. I mean, be careful of trying to fill the void with, um, habits or uh bad habits i guess would be a better way to say it and so i had to be really careful about what i fill that loss that void uh with and one of the ways i've been able to do that is to stay connected with believers and i do that as many of as you know and many people know is i'm on the worship team mm-hmm. that's my that's my family that's my my inner core Uh, Family of believers that I can I can I can share real life with and they can share back and We're not gonna uh, uh, Go outside the circle if you will we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep it in-house, you know, kind of I feel safe. That's the word I'm looking for. I feel safe in that world The second one was or is the pallbearers as I explained earlier the 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 men who I've I Still have a relationship that are that were my pallbearers was to stay connected with them as believers, and then stay connected with Jesus, and that may sound weird to someone who's listening who's not a believer, but what I found is that I can't when I'm alone and I I have a lot a a lot of alone time, yeah, and if I don't have Christian music playing or uh, uh, some peaceful music playing, the, the the space between my ears can be a little bit uh, uh, dangerous. And so I, I, as typically when people come over I'll have music playing and, and I really enjoy having Christian music playing. Oftentimes that music going to have the word involved. I do devotions periodically, not every day, but I do devotions. I have I have uh, little, little uh, uh, easy read devotions uh, that I can go through, but to be in the Word, driving at my house with people, etc., uh, is helping me to stay connected to Jesus. gotta imagine
0: how old are you now? I'm 62. You're 62. How old am I? 62. <laughs> you are a widow, widower, you have money, and you have options. So you could go to some dark places if you chose to. Yes. And so, what I'm hearing from you, the things that are keeping you in check from going to those dark places, is Jesus and the way that you keep Jesus in your life is worship because you're a musician, the people that you're choosing to surround yourself with. Amen. Amen. Before Tammy passed away, did
1: you have a community of men? Not as deeply as I have now, because I worked. I worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I spent most of my time working, so it was really uh, Tammy and myself. We had a small group that we were involved with, yep. uh, and that, and that was that was helpful. We have a small group, and we lived in Massachusetts, and I keep in contact with some of those uh, friends. Uh, but no, it not not that much because I'm pretty much a cave dweller. I mean, I'm pretty much a caveman. Yeah, you know, I'm happy in my. I like who I am. I'm happy who I am, and I don't need a lot of people around me. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I just realize who I am. Mm-hmm. But I realize that under that scenario, I could go dark. Yeah, and I have to be careful. And that's where the pallbearers and my worship team members are able to
0: help me out. One of the things that uh, Joe said in one of his messages a long time ago that really landed on me is that the part of the reason you want to build community is because when you need it. It's not going to be the time you're not going to have time to get it. Wow, right? wow. You're you're a fortunate exception to that rule. Now again, some groundwork's laid because some of those pallbearers were in your small group. I know that, right? And so that kind of led way to some of those men being a part of that. And the work I did with Thrivent, I mean, you would start off with a prospect. The prospect would
1: become a client. Well, guess what? The client would become a friend. Right, a real relationship. Yeah, I mean, so that that built, too. It's just that I wouldn't knock down the door to be with a friend because I'm working again to build another prospect to be a client, you know, be a friend. It was just an ongoing thing, you, mm-hmm. know, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: During working years. One of the things I would like men to be considering is just this idea. And again, it's hard when you're in your working years. It's hard when you're in those, you know, that. 30 to you know 55 time frame right where you know your career and your your spouse or your family are taking all of it but the importance of how are you going to put good people around you you know and if you didn't have the worship ministry and you didn't have those guys say we wouldn't be here and who knows who knows where you would be right now because that is that is how god worked in your life to help anchor you down I see those people and plus i make
1: choices I mean I choose to be involved in a worship ministry I choose not to go to dark places I choose uh, to be around people that tend to be positive as opposed to negative you know I make those those choice. I choose to worship I choose this day to be happy yeah you know, those are choices that I make. Now, is it always that way? No, but I choose not to go into the dark places. You know, I mean, I'll give an example. Um, I, I went to my, uh, um, a, a marriage, uh, actually a, a marriage retreat, and um, the presenter on video was talking about how men have boxes and women have everything connected in their brain. What struck me was how true it is so i have I have boxes that I, I compartmentize and I put on shelves and I have a box of not so good memories of a relationship that I had with other people as well as Tammy and I choose not to play in that box. I choose to play in the box of good memories of good people of of happiness that's going to sound weird but I've just chosen that that's the box that I'm gonna play in as opposed to the bad box. I'll give you an example. Have you ever gone to somebody's house that has remodeled and you walk in the house and you look at the remodeling and you you make a a, a positive comment? How many times have you heard someone say, yeah, but, it's bad over there. Yeah, but, yeah, but. See, I choose not to be the yeah, but guy. I choose to be the, wow, isn't this awesome? it's amazing i try to be in the positive side as opposed to the negative side and i try to be around people that are going to reciprocate when i'm not so positive
0: okay does that make sense yeah it does honestly i'm i'm a guy who you know when we bought our house we had a great house and someone come over and go yeah but the people who had it before us look over here and i don't know what drives that right i don't you know i'm sure if we we dove into it it would be pretty ugly and bad but like you know it's like why do I want to point it that the granite is two pieces joined together I don't know you know not one solid please leave please leave my house (laughs) yeah exactly I'm not even worth having you over right you know and you talk about the positive um the positive memories and um last year you're over at my house and we're having a bonfire and we're just talking and you were able to share some of the positive things that you and Tammy got to celebrate, especially as you knew, like, the end was coming. Hmm. And, I, um, and I just remember hearing that and instantly thinking, well, I want to make sure that Kristen and I, right, will be able to sit back and go, if, if God would allow us to know that the end's coming... Hmm. Really glad that happened. What are some of the positive memories for you and Tammy that you're, you'd you like to share? Wow. Um, you know, we traveled
1: a lot. Um, I was blessed uh, to be able to do that. And one of the memories that I have uh, from the traveling is when she was going through chemo, uh, we would watch a travel channel. And it would come on the screen. We'd watch it on the television. And we oftentimes could say to each other, you know what? We've been there. <laughs> you know what? Well, we've been there too. I'm not bragging. That wasn't, that's, not a, that's not bragging. That's just saying it, it, it brought joy because I started to realize that even in our working life, even in our busyness of life, we were able to take time for each other to explore, to, to see, to do to buy a condo in Saint Thomas, to uh, uh, to go places that most people could never uh, go to. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not bragging, but I have I have really a lot of
0: memories of that are that are really positive. Okay, so I I'm in this marriage, I have this wonderful wife, but it is a simple, active step for me be able to choose to dwell on or to think about the things that aren't going well. Mm. Or that we're we're you know need need to work on or need to improve and so forth. And one of the things that you've told me is just this importance of you know choosing to look at the positive. Yes. Where does that come from? How did you get that mindset? I, I don't. <laughs> I'm not sure.
1: I, I don't know. I'm I'm I I I'm gonna I'm gonna say. The school book answer, ah, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no idea. I really don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, through the years of, of being involved with a relationship with a lover, a friend, uh, a kind person, uh, Tammy, uh, she's able. she was able to open up, peel back the onion and open it up and say, you know what? There's more to this work. Uh,
0: there's more out there. And after all these years of marriage, I mean, I hear great communication between you and Tammy, talking about expectations, met, unmet, working on it. You know, you guys are always working on it. Do you have um, a regret? You know, the uh,
1: interesting thing, I'm going to say this to the men uh, specifically because what has caught my heart in looking backwards Uh, during this time period is I have one regret and the regret is an unfilled request from my wife. And that request was, and it's going to sound weird, but she wanted to do a couple's retreat. I'm sorry, I said couple's retreat. She wanted to do a couple's spa. And I thought to myself, spa? I got baby oil. (laughs) I have a bubble bath. We We can spa all day long. No, she wanted she wanted the experience of a couple spa, and I always avoided that. We would go to pl- different spas, and they had golf courses. And so <laughs> Gary T would play golf, Tammy T would do the spa, and we were all good. But I'm just saying right now, the one thing that I wish I could redo, if there was a redo, a do-over, a mulligan, yeah. I would, do a, I would have done a couple spa. And that's the only regret I have. Again, my bad box is closed up and shoved away up in the top shelf. <laughs> my good box is open and I play in it all the time. But that's the one thing I wanted to say to the men. You know, If there's a, a desire, I, I'll say the word desire, but if there's a, a, a situation that your wife is saying, let's do a couple spa. And I'd probably turn that down Five, six, seven times. Yeah, you're a fool. <laughs> well, <laughs>
0: all in favor say aye. Aye. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Yeah, I appreciate this time. Yeah, there's one thing um, that I wanted to ask you about about your your service in the military. And so, mm-hmm. if we if we can't talk about these things, especially on film, that that's totally fine. But depends upon your question.
1: Yes, so I'm waiting. <laughs> Phrase it very carefully.
0: Special forces Afghanistan after 9/11. So you guys are tip of the spear cuz you got you got called up very quickly after 9/11, mm-hmm. right? So you're going in and you're starting the first mm-hmm. our our first retaliation, our first first wave, know, the first, first wave. wave, right? In that when you lost men. How did you guys handle that over there?
1: Well, I'll use phraseology we didn't lose anybody. Men gave their lives, first off. Okay. And thank you. You're welcome. And when that happened, it depended upon at what phase we were in the operation. If it was still combat phase and we're still in, engaged, um, we didn't really have time to uh, come up with a game plan other than let's finish what we're doing and get the heck out of here and remove the body. We would bring the body back to our uh, Ford Operation Base or Base Camp, as you would basically say. And we would have a very simple, very simple toast to the man who allowed me the privilege to carry on. And we'd all toast him and move on. Salute.
0: Thank you for your service. Totally my pleasure. And thank you for sharing this. Thank you, brother. You're a good man.
1: Thank you. I really enjoyed this. More than you know. More than you know.